Welcome to this week's Coffee Break podcast. I'm joined today by Catherine Shepherd to take a look at making redundancies during coronavirus. We know that the government has just updated its guidance to make it clear that for claims starting on or after the 1st of December, you can't claim for any days after this that have furloughed employees serving notice. And this, of course, would capture those serving notice of redundancy. But today I want to focus in particular on the practical questions that are being raised by our clients. So, Catherine, for employers who are making redundancies, is home working and employees isolating at home a barrier to a redundancy process getting started or continuing? No, not at all. The past few months have actually really brought out how innovative employers can be and also how adaptive actually employees are. There's been some real thinking outside the box we've seen on issues such as how to host a workplace ballot in secret, how to give representatives a safe space to carry out their duties and ways of sharing information with representatives and employees confidentially. Um, And on that we've seen employers arranging for managers, representatives and employees to engage online on group and individual bases, sort of using online conference calls, Zoom rooms and team spaces. Just one point which I would like to stress is that when it comes though to the one-to-one consultations, real sensitivity and care is needed. Um, you know, those those meetings traditionally have taken place in the in the workplace or face-to-face, and online is no real replacement to someone being in the room. Um, I think employers need to think really carefully about checking employees supported when those conversations are taking place. Um, we're seeing from the work we're doing that with businesses that you know isolation and mental well-being is a real challenge at the moment. Just staying on home working, one question that's cropped up is how do you go about working out whether you are proposing to make 20 or more redundancies at one establishment within the 90 day period for the purposes of triggering collective consultation? So what I mean by that is how do you decide what establishment an employee works at when so many of your employees are working at home? Yeah, whilst many employees are familiar with the individual redundancy process, the perhaps fortunately collective consultation one is one that people are are less familiar with Um, and working out the trigger for when the rules apply is a really key step. Um, On the establishment point, home working for many is, is, you know, it's still ongoing, but many businesses are still approaching it as being on a temporary basis and therefore employees are still likely to be considered as assigned to their normal place of work before the, those temporary home working arrangements were put in place. Um, and that's also likely to be the case where we know that businesses have been sometimes having to interchange staff between different locations. So we're kind of looking back to what, where was the employee before these temporary measures came in. However, looking forward, it raises a really interesting question because if home working does become more permanent, then down the line, employers will need to give more careful thought as to you know where is an employee assigned. Thanks, Catherine. That's really helpful. Um, can I just check, does the 20 or more redundancies proposed for the purposes of triggering collective consultation include those that volunteer for redundancy? Yeah, that's right. Volunteers count as proposed dismissals towards that 20 threshold for collective consultation. Um, just one point there to flag is, you know, particularly at a time where uh, 
businesses, you know, staff retention can be critical. You know, you want your key employees there for when hopefully your your activity resumes to its normal levels. So it's really important when you are looking for volunteers to put in place some form of mechanism where you, you're not going to lose your best staff necessarily. Thanks, Catherine. And does COVID raise any specific issues around how you go about selecting for redundancy? Yeah, so employers we know always have to take care to avoid criteria when selecting for redundancy, which may be overly subjective or raise a discrimination risk. And what COVID-19 has done is highlighted some real disparities, though, that can arise um, and which businesses are going to have to take real care in dealing with. For example, performance may have been impacted by COVID-19. Um, employees may have been absent for ill health or have be, or been isolated or taken periods as furlough leave. And on that, again, you've got individuals with childcare and other caring responsibilities, older individuals, those of an ethnic origin and those with health conditions who may all have faced um, sort of much more significant impacts from COVID-19. Um, and just on that, um, you know, particularly at this point in time, employers are looking, you know, forwards at their future workforce needs and real care needs to be taken not to let unconscious bias come into play. Um, it's well recognised that at times of crisis, you know, these sort of stereotypical assumptions can unfortunately come to the fore. So how do employers go about deciding on fair redundancy selection criteria? Yeah, so it's employers have to ensure that any selection criteria can be measured objectively so far as possible. Um, and ideally, we recommend that any selection for redundancy should be reviewed by at least two managers. Um, and just looking at the sort of fairness of, sort of the overall process, I just want to emphasise one final point, if I can, that it can be tempting to cut corners and complete the process as quickly as possible to save costs, you know, particularly at these times. But you know, there is that risk of an unfair dismissal claim and also a breach of the collective consultation rules where those apply. Um, and the penalty for breach of the collective consultation rules is an award of up to 90 days actual pay for each employee. So just two final practical points is that where the collective rules apply, just remember that no dismissals can take effect until either the 30 or 45 day period has expired. And also, in all cases, notice of dismissal should not be given before collective, if it's applicable, and individual consultation have both concluded. Thanks, Catherine. That endpoint really does remind us, doesn't it, that of the underlying requirement that consultation needs to be genuine and meaningful between the employer, representatives and the employees and should never just be a process where redundancy is an inevitable end result. Thanks, yep. everyone, for listening today and please do join us next week.